talks first. You talk first. I talk first. Let's get started. Welcome, everybody, to Han Talks First. I am Han, and this is the podcast you're looking for. This is a Star Wars podcast normally, but today is a bonus episode. There was this very small, minute problem going on at Disney at the moment that I wanted to discuss and dedicate a full episode to just that. Now, why would we be talking about this issue, Scarlett Johansson suing Disney, on a Star Wars podcast? Well, there's many different reasons. Because one, it is under Disney umbrella. Therefore, it will affect the company as a whole. But this will also heavily affect Star Wars going forward in the future. But what am I talking about? What are we talking about? For those of you that do not follow this news so like as much as I do, I'm going to break it all down for you. We're going to go step by step through this whole entire process and really get into it. And it's something that I've, I find fascinating. For anyone who you know is not a listener, of, an avid listener of the show, there's probably a couple people tuning into this podcast um, that have never heard of Han Talks First. And I normally get that whenever I do these off-brand videos or podcast episodes. So welcome to you guys. If you're interested, check out some other episodes on the YouTube and on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. But we are going to kind of jump right into it today. I don't have any show notes. Normally on this show, I have I, I make out a list of notes so I can keep myself organized. But today we're just going to read some articles uh, from the major trades and really talk about this issue and then talk about how this will affect Disney going forward, but also how it's going to affect Lucasfilm and Star Wars and those kind of movies. And uh, welcome to anyone who's watching us live right now. Hello there, says Max and Sith Care Bear. My two faves. Welcome to the show. My two faves. I raise a glass of hot coffee to you both. I hope you're having a great day. And to all the rest of you listening, hope you're having a fantastic day as well. Now, like I said, this is my first time using YouTube Studio to do a stream. So we may have some issues. I'm not sure. This is my first time using this platform. I usually use, you know, OBS or StreamYard, other things, but I wanted to try something different. So let me open up a, I think you can share a screen on here. And if I can, then we can jump right into this Scarlett Johansson news. So bear with me one second. And if anyone knows how to use YouTube uh, Live, let me know. But actually, it doesn't look like I can share my screen on here. Well, that's kind of annoying. Why would why isn't that an option? It's so simple. Anyway, rather than wasting your time, me trying to figure it out, we're just going to jump right into it. Okay. So the main article that I wanted to read, which breaks down every single detail about this Scarlett Johansson suing Disney issue was on The Wrap. And I don't know why they did, it, they did this, but The Wrap decided that if you want to read that article, you have to pay for it. I'm not going to pay to read an article that I heard I can hear online for free. So we don't get to read from there, unfortunately. Luckily, tons of other 
news trades have reported on it. So I will read straight from then. So the first one we're going to talk about how this all got started and like what actually happened. Like, where did this come from? What's going on? Why is Scarlett Johansson suing Disney? And of course, if any of you guys have thoughts or, you know, things you want to ask, put it in the live chat. And if you even want to just talk about Star Wars for a little bit, we'll take some breaks. You can throw in your comments there and, you know, we'll talk about anything. This is kind of just a, a free for all stream, a free for all podcast episode. So let's start here. So Deadline is the first trade that I'm going to be reading from. And this talks about uh, how Disney strikes back over Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow lawsuit and reveals her salary. Now, this kind of briefly summarizes everything. So basically what happened was Black Widow was supposed to come out in 2020. I think it was coming out in May of 2020. I could be wrong, but definitely last year. And of course, the world got hit with the COVID-19 pandemic. All movies got delayed. All ex exhibitors got closed temporarily. And it was it was trying times for everybody, even us and some of you probably as well. Um, so everything got delayed by, you know, a year. Uh, some some came out earlier, but basically all the major blockbusters like a Black Widow were delayed. And it actually came out about 35 days ago. Uh, in also in May, I think I can't. It came out recently. And what happened was originally Black Widow was supposed to be a theatrical exclusive movie. And of course, Disney had launched Disney Plus in 2019, and they were building their library, but they didn't have any exclusive content to throw on there. So they were, because it was so new, and they didn't have time to go in anything into production. So basically what happened was Disney made the decision that we're going to release it day and date. And what that means is it's going to go to movie theaters and on Disney Plus at the same exact time. Now, this was something that could not have been predicted. The pandemic or uh, in early contract negotiations when going into the development of Black Widow, nobody knew this would happen. So there was nothing in the contract that stated that this is what's going to happen. It's going to go to day and date release. So here's where the problem comes in. Disney decided to put that on their Disney Plus streaming service without consulting any of the creators or any of the talent, or any of the unions that were involved. So they put it out there, and they announced it a while ago. I think they announced it in um, early April, maybe late March. And there was, there was no outcry from the studio themselves. Nobody from Marvel went against Disney's you know, announcement to do that. None of the talent did. But it wasn't until it actually got released and it wasn't until realistically that we knew about the lawsuit was last week, I think, that this happened or a little over a week ago. I just want to say something real quick. Um, actually, I'll get back to it. I'll, I'll hold that thought. But anyway, so Scarlett Johansson decided her and her um, agency decided we are going to sue Disney for releasing it on streaming and in theaters at the same time for multiple reasons. I guess the big one being that there was no profit participation 
at that point anymore, or at least to the caliber that it would have been if it was strictly released in theaters only. Profit participation is is really just royalties. It's a point system. So forgive me if some of you find this a little redundant or like I'm talking down to you. I'm not. I just want to fully explain everything so we're all on the same page. Profit participation is royalties, a point system. When an actor signs a contract and negotiates their deal with a movie, they either take a big salary or they take a partial salary and then back-end points. Whatever profit is made, a percentage of the profit made during its release in theaters. Scarlett Johansson, of course, being a very successful actress, got the big paycheck, but also got a point system, which meant she was going to get a percentage of the theatrical income as well. So once this movie went to streaming, her profit participation got cut almost in half. That's what some of the reports are saying anyway. So her, her and her agency decided that kind of goes against the, you know, we didn't get full fulfillment of our original contract negotiation. We don't get that much return. So let's go forward and sue them. But one thing I wanted to point out about this, this was the point I was going to bring up earlier. Scarlett Johansson asked Disney before it went to streaming if they would reconsider and just at least put it in theaters only or delay the film. Her and her agency management all asked if they would do that. And of course they said no. But she didn't just ask Disney, she also asked Marvel and more specifically Kevin Feige. And she asked them too if they would consider canceling out the day and date release. And of course Feige is on the same page as Scarlett Johansson. He didn't want his movies to go to streaming as well. Marvel is making streaming exclusive stuff such as Loki WandaVision and Falcon Winter Soldier. So he saw it as like, we're already making you content for that page. Don't take the movies. That's for the theaters. And so here's, here's the thing. When Disney ignored them and ignored their you know, requests to put it just to theaters only, Scarlett Johansson and her agency decided it's time for us to sue. But before she did that, before she even did that, she consulted Kevin Feige and she said, Hey, they went against our, you know, our profit participation point system. It affected us. I'm, we're thinking about suing. What are your opinions on it? So she, it wasn't just a hasty decision by Scarlett. This was something that was well thought out. And she decided to go to her boss, Kevin Feige, and ask his opinion. And you know what he said? He said, do it. <laughs> Speaking of Star Wars, do it. I bet he said it just like Palpatine did, too. Do it. <laughs> just kidding. But... Anyway, all of this was happening during the press tour for Black Widow. Why is that an important point to bring up? Because if any of you watched any of the interviews leading up to Black Widow's release, Scarlett Johansson was at every single press event. She was promoting the movie. She was putting it out there. She, was, she had a very happy you know, demeanor, and she seemed excited about it. She didn't let any of the behind-the-scenes drama affect the release of the movie. She didn't want fans or people really to know about what was going on because it didn't matter to them for one, but also it would have affected the movie. Maybe not by much, but it would have affected it in some way, at least from like a, an objective um, look on it by, by audiences or general audiences. But I just want to point out that is a classy move 
a lot you know i know a lot of people that really don't like scarlett johansson as a person and some people don't like her as an actress um i'm kind of in the middle um but i will say that was a very classy move that was a very professional move to not let it hang out on her shoulder and to go to go through the proper channels to handle the situation but where it becomes a huge dramatic issue and why it could affect disney and star wars going forward and marvel too lies on the fault of disney more specifically bob chapek now i'm going to kind of keep this very uh not one-sided because i have very strong opinions about bob chapek i don't like him for those of you that have listened to me for a long time or maybe even a short period of time you you probably know that i have never been a fan of bob Ch- bob chapek robert Iger, however the previous ceo of disney is one of my idols and i think he is one of the best ceos in the past 15 years not just disney but also abc and i just love his outlook on business and professionalism and uh, talent relations and customer relations just human relations in general i think he's a great guy i don't know him personally but from a business point that's how i see him now before we actually get into like the nitty-gritty and what these articles are saying I'm going to take a look at the chat and see what you guys are saying about what we've already discussed and see if you have anything else to bring to the table. So again, welcome everyone who's watching live. We're not on Twitch today, of course, because YouTube doesn't allow you to stream to Twitch if you're exclusively streaming from YouTube, but (laughs) this will be on the audio uh, podcast later. So if you're listening on the audio, welcome. If you ever want to watch a live show, hop on over to the YouTube. We stream live every Sunday for the Hontalks First podcast. All right, so uh, I see Sith Care Bear says, I see both sides. Max says, I'm more on the side of Scarlett Johansson because Disney is breaking contract. So, yes, um, there's definitely two sides to this, and both could be considered um, uh, fairly viewed upon. Uh, Josh goes on and says, Disney needed to get product out, and Scarlett is being a little petty. However, they did violate her contract, and she did lose money despite the millions she already got. Business is business. Disney should have been smarter in how they handled the whole thing. So I'd like to point out something you said, Josh, which I think is very important. Uh, This is business. This is business. Business is business. This is, it ain't show friends, it's show business. (laughs) And you're absolutely right. And so what the difference between being business professional and personal, business and personal, this was a very business uh, negotiation um, because it wasn't public. It was done through the proper channels and through the proper people. But what happened was it very quickly went from being business to personal. And that was when Disney released her compensation for playing Black Widow. And we'll read straight from the article in a second, but um, and we'll get a little deeper into that. So yes. Business is business. I totally agree with that. Sadly, in Max's sadly in Hollywood, the priority is money. <laughs> yes, um, that is absolutely right. Um, for those of you that don't know, I live in Hollywood. I work in the entertainment industry, not in anything big or grand, but I do work for a producer. And I've seen a lot of, uh, I'm usually in the room when deals are happening or I'm on the phone, listening, taking notes, things like that. Um, 
but oh my gosh, it's it's more and more every day. It gets less about the content and more about maximizing your profit, which is understandable. You know, the producers, the executives, they're there to make money. They don't make the movies. They make the money. But we'll get into that a little bit later, too. And he says, sorry, not Hollywood. I mean, Hollywood. <laughs> okay, so again, thank you guys for joining us. I'm going to head over and take a look at this Variety article that talks about the issue. And again, I'm sorry, I can't put it on the screen for you guys, but um, I'll be sure to, I guess, you know, dance or move as much as I can to give you something to look at. So Disney lawyer Daniel Petro Kelly calls Black Widow lawsuit an orchestrated PR campaign. Now, I have not read this article yet, but I'm very interested to see what it says. So it says here, in the temperate, the temperature in the legal battle between Disney and Scarlett Johansson over the compensation for Black Widow has not cooled in the week since Johansson's lawsuit was filed in the L.A. Superior Court. Uh, longtime Disney attorney Daniel Peritichelli, we're just going to call him Pero, Dan, uh, Pero, he told Variety that the demands in Johnson's litigation are far out the bonds of what the actors contract with the studio. He characterized it as an attempt to force Disney to write a check that backfired. And I read, and quote, it is obvious that this is a highly orchestrated PR campaign to achieve an outcome that is not obtainable. In the lawsuit, no amount of, P of public pressure can change or obscure the explicit contractual commitments. The written contract is clear as a bell. Meanwhile, in another sign of the conflict that has touched a nerve, uh, a time of uncertainty for the industry, SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, President Gabriel Kataris weighed in on Friday with a lengthy statement blasting Disney, and she said that Disney should be ashamed and criticized the gendered tone of the company's statement on the, on the suit last week. I don't know what that last line was about. So basically, uh, this is kind of touching on the fact how uh, Disney revealed her, her pay, which was $20 million for Black Widow. Um, and of course that's what was in her contract. That was, she was a actress producer on the film and she was also going to receive back, back end deal, uh, profit participation. So where it goes out against the contract is the fact that it was going to exclusively be a theatrical release where Disney has a leverage is that, you know, because the streaming service wasn't available at the time that they were making the contracts, they can put it on there. Plus, also, they are the distributor, and the distributor ultimately has the only say in where a movie gets delivered. But where it gets tricky is the profit participation, and that's the only reason why Scarlett Johansson sued. However, one of these lawyers, Daniel Petro, seems to believe that this is a, a PR campaign to try and get the attention that what they're doing in the industry right now is a bad idea, and it's dangerous. So basically what Daniel is saying is he seems to believe this is a coup to get people's attention, to let them know that taking theatrical release movies and just dumping them on streaming is damaging for the industry, which is true, but I don't think that's the goal in this situation. I think it's strictly that Scarlett Johansson's representation knew they were going to get more out of this movie and were a little disappointed when they didn't get as much as they were promised. Therefore, they want to sue. And the the... The other reason why they have so much leverage is because this 
is happening with other movies. Cruella, Mulan, Jungle Cruise, but not just Disney products too. Also Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers made the decision that they were going to release all of their movies on streaming and theaters at the same time for the rest of the year. But Warner Brothers did something a little different. Not only are they putting it on streaming, they're putting it on HBO Max for free. For free. But why aren't we hearing about more lawsuits happening at uh, Warner Brothers and HBO? Well, there was. There was lawsuit scares. Legendary, the people who made Godzilla vs. Kong, threatened to sue Warner Brothers if they had put it out on HBO Max. Um, another one was Denis Villeneuve, who is the director of Dune. His representation made a threat as well. But what the difference is between Warner Brothers and Disney is Warner Brothers is buying out those creators. Because yes, it goes against their contract part profit participation. But what they did for Wonder Woman, for example, last year they said, okay, we're going to put Wonder Woman on streaming for free. And I was it in theaters? I can't remember. I don't think it went to theaters. If it did, it was like really quick. But what they did was, since it went against the contract of Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot, Warner Bros. was like, look, we understand you're going to lose money on this because most of your paycheck is in the royalties. So what we're going to do is we're going to pay you each $10 million based on what the box office predictions were at the time for Wonder Woman. Look, I think Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot walked away with more money than they were going to make if it just went to theaters. They got a handsome check, <laughs> $10 million each. That's crazy. But so anyway, and then now they're doing that with the other creators as well. They did it with Godzilla vs. Kong. They decided, okay, it's probably, if it was only in theaters, this is what we predicted it was going to make around like $600 million. So we're going to give you your participation credit, which is $100 million. It might have been a little bit more than that, but they paid Legendary off. They paid uh, Gal Gadot off. They're going to pay Denis Villeneuve off. They're paying their people off appropriately. Now, there's good and bad of that situation too, but we're mainly talking about Disney today. Now, what Disney is doing that's different than that is they are breaking their talent relations. One of the things that Bob Iger was, had excellent merit with was his talent relations. He built so many connections in the industry that some thought was never a possibility. For example, Pixar. When Bob Iger became the CEO of Disney, Pixar and Disney were not on good terms. The previous CEO, Michael Eisner, was not a good CEO. He almost ran Disney into the ground. So, and he, the Michael Eisner was on very bad terms with Steve Jobs. But Bob Iger came in and he mended that relationship. And then he worked with Steve Jobs and then decided to merge the companies together. And they, they grew this relationship that was so fond and so great that they actually became each other's members on board of directors. Um, Bob Iger went to go be a board member on Apple's board and Steve on Disney's, vice versa. So it was, it was a very good relationship. But that's just one example of what Bob Iger does. And that's one of the things he's best at is mending relationships and also being 
a diffuser in escalating situations. And one of the reasons why I like him so much. So uh, mommy needs a nap in the live chat has jumped in and said, Disney has a habit of this. They paid Robin Williams just $75,000 to do the voice of Genie, then disregarded his contractual term that he not be more than 20% of the promotional material. Yeah, that's a really good example. That's a big story too. Uh, Mommy needs a nap. Uh, So with that situation... Um, it was obviously under the Michael Eisner agreement, but you know, Robin Williams actually, this is kind of off topic, but Robin Williams actually did not want to be the voice of Genie. I mean, he did want to, but he didn't want Disney to sell the movie as Aladdin featuring Robin Williams. He wanted it to just be Aladdin, sell Aladdin, don't sell Robin Williams because he didn't want it to take away from the story or from the other great talented people that were in it or the music or anything like that. Because he saw something special in it. And they screwed him over. They screwed him over big time. Uh, they told him that, okay, we're not going to you know, put you out there as much. And according to you, they say uh, 20% of the promotional material. And so that ended up being a problem. Eventually, they amended their relationship. I forgot how, but that's a great example. Mommy needs a nap. Thanks for sharing that. Max says, right now, Shang-Chi is exclusively starting in theaters on September 3rd, but I think it will get a Disney Plus release at the same time, too, like they did with Black Widow. So check it out. Shang-Chi, or Shang-Chi, I think is how it's pronounced. I don't remember. Shang-Chi. I do not think that is an option for streaming. And here's why. Shang-Chi will be the first Marvel Cinematic Universe movie with an Asian lead. Not just one Asian lead, but a lot of Asian talent in the movie. A long time waited. We've waited a long time for it, right? And this was also a movie that has been delayed multiple times as well. But I don't think they're going to put this out on streaming because they need this to do big. They want their diverse movies to skyrocket. Look at Black Panther, grossed over a billion dollars. Deservingly so. Black Panther was great. Uh, Captain Marvel, first female-led movie uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe over a billion dollars. Now they want to do the same thing with their Shang-Chi. One, because it looks good, right? You can't blame them for that. It looks good. But two, it's going to maximize their profit. They're, they're, they're doing something different. And you could, you could look at this as kind of like, uh, what is it called? Um, being, not going about it the right way. Like they want, like kind of abusing the market in a, in a, in a sad way. But they want it to. They want Shang Chi to gross a billion dollars, and they know it will not do that if they put it on streaming and on theaters at the same time. And there's there's a word for this that I, I can't think of. If you guys in the chat know, uh, let me know. But it's they want to try and milk this thing. They want their their diverse movies where they break the mold of what has previously been their their white led films for the past 23 movies they want to break that by showing that they can do it right and better than anyone else so they want it to gross a billion dollars i will tell you though if it does go to disney plus i will be shocked i will be so shocked but you're probably saying han well why would they do that with black widow it's a female-led movie well black widow has already been in the mark in the mcu for a long time and she's also dead 
in the MCU. <laughs> I don't know about you, but watching Black Widow myself, uh, by the way, if you haven't seen it, spoiler, spoiler warning, um, watching Black Widow at the times where she was like in, in dire situations or there were the stakes were high, I, was, I wasn't worried because I know her fate. <laughs> the movie takes place like five, six, eight years before she dies. I know she's fine, right? So it kind of lessens the value of the stakes in the movie. And some people probably didn't even go to watch it. But you know, that also has to do with the fact that Endgame really felt like the end. And you could walk away and kind of be okay with, you got completely fulfilled with the MCU in the past 10 years. So that's another issue there. Um, but I will be shocked if it if it goes to streaming, that Shang-Chi movie. Uh, he goes on and says, my guess would be Shang-Chi would make around $400 million because of the pandemic. Yeah, I see that too. Um, we'll just have to wait and see what happens with that. But I guarantee you, if that comes out on streaming and theaters at the same time, we're going to have more issues going forward. Because it's not just Scarlett Johansson. Emma Stone, who played Cruella, is her and her representation are in talks to sue disney next it's scary stuff you know it's like and it's so sad for me because i really love disney i really do i love disney proper pixar marvel star wars everything they, they the creatives there are so good at what they do but ever since bob Iger said he was stepping away and bob chapek was coming in to take over i was already immediately worried and this guy, man, this guy. So let me read another article here. This one comes from Screen Rant. Um, and it says, former C Disney CEO Bob Iger is reportedly mortified by Johansson's lawsuit. So this is kind of what I've been waiting for. The, the results or the reaction from Bob Iger, because he's still at Disney. He has no more creative control or as much involvement as he did because he's a lame duck. He's in a succession period. He's, he's retiring at the end of this year. There's really nothing he can do. And Bob Chapek has kind of pushed him to the side, which is sad because he wanted to work with Bob Chapek and get through not just this issue, but the pandemic in, in general and help him get to be the CEO that he wanted to be. So anyway, this article says Bob Iger, the former CEO, is reportedly embarrassed by Scarlett Johansson's lawsuit over the release of Black Widow. Blah, blah, blah. Jo Johansson was set to earn $50 million in box office bonuses. That's let, Let's talk about that for a second. So she was supposed to make $50 million in box office bonuses and a $20 million salary. $70 million for one movie. $70 million. That's insane. That's insane. And think about like the Suicide Squad, for example, that just came out this weekend. It only made $45 million in its first opening week. In its opening week, Suicide Squad didn't make as much money as Scarlett Johansson was supposed to make on Black Widow. That blows my mind. I, I don't, where does that money go? 
what do you do with that kind of money? You know, that's like, that's, I would never in my life, she could go to the Star Wars hotel like 20 times. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, 15, if my math is correct, because the Star Wars hotel is so damn expensive. Anyway, and I know what you're probably thinking too. I've heard this complaint a lot, and I understand why people are complaining this, but what they're saying is she's just, you know, being greedy. She got $20 million. What does she need any more for? That's so much money. Why would she complain? Why would she sue? She's already getting paid so much. Yes. Here's where I would counter that. Yes, she got a crap load of money. But it's what she negotiated that she's not getting. It's about what was set up two, three years ago in her initial contract. It's about getting what you you negotiate, not what you deserve, if that makes any sense. Uh, and but I, I do see the argument for it being like that, dude. That's a lot of money. You don't. Why do you need that much more? You know. But I mean, that number is already astronomical. It's kind of crazy. So anyway, it goes on and says, in response, Disney released a statement that called Johansson's lawsuit meritless and callous, sad and distressing i'm going to stop there and just point out whoa when i heard that i was like this is this is crazy disney just made a massive pr statement and whoever made that statement whoever their press person is that said those words is probably not working at disney anymore <laughs> think about it they in a normal situation disney would have come out and said Yes, um, we've, we know that we're being sued, blah, 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 but we are, we're going to work with them. And uh, if it goes to court, we'll go to court. We, will, we look forward to coming up with results together, uh, blah, blah, blah. Just so you guys know, I have no law experience. I don't know anything about law, okay? I just know that you shouldn't break them. So <laughs> that's, that's all I know about law. And the boom, boom, law and order theme. Anyway. Uh, totally forgot what I was saying here. Um, but yeah, the the way they phrased their press statement about this Johansson thing was something that you would never see under the reign of Bob Iger. And that's one of the reasons why Bob Iger was so mortified, quote, by the situation is the way Disney has handled it. And not only did they call it things like callous, meritless, sad, distressing, but they also revealed her payout for black widow they told her they told the press 20 million dollars should be enough what they've what they did when they when they released that information was they have ruined not ruined completely but they have they have tarnished scarlett johansson's career going forward how how does that tarnish her career how does that how does that affect it going forward well mainly because Contract negotiations are always kept private. And they revealed her paycheck for this movie, pretty much revealing what she's worth to the industry. And now that other creators, other producers know how much her paycheck was for Black Widow, they see that's how much she's worth. So they won't even present new projects to her because of, if they have a project that uh, we can only pay her 10 million, you know, they'll go, they'll be like, oh, well, we were considering her for this role, but we can't afford 20 million. So we might as well just not talk to her. So she's going to get less offers for this. And not only is it affecting Scarlett Johansson, but think about the other 
cast of Marvel, Star Wars, any studio that works with Disney. Everybody just saw what Scarlett Johansson was paid for Black Widow. What if Chris Hemsworth, who is Thor, for those of you that don't know, what if he is paid $15 million for being Thor and he's about to do his fourth film and he just noticed and his agency just noticed that Scarlett Johansson is being paid $20 million, $5 million more than him. What are they going to want to do? They're going to want to renegotiate. They're going to want to uh, ha- be like, well, if you can pay her that much and I've been in more movies than her, you should pay us more. That's what's going to happen. It opened up a huge can of worms for Disney and other talent and also for Scarlett Johansson. So they kind of screwed themselves when they when they released that information, which is really sad. And again, I just I think it was a hasty remark. It was vapid. It wasn't well thought out. And I think we're going to see repercussions of just that statement alone, which is why I think that PR person at Disney is probably fired right now. But anyway, um, I'm going to take a look at the chat again and see what you guys are saying. We'll continue reading in a second. Max says, well, Bob Iger is still Disney chairman until December uh, 2021, but I fear that the Bob Chapek effect will be even bigger in 2022. Yes, he is still chairman, but like I said, he is a a lame duck at the moment. He, um, he, he doesn't have any power. He only has consulting ability um, because he is on his way out. And usually when you're at that, that high of a position and you're on your way out, um, you've already been replaced and you're just there to make sure the transition is smooth. So you remember when he came out a couple months ago and he, I think it was like January or February. No, no, it was last year. It was last year. And he said he was stepping back into the role of, um, to like of CEO basically to help Bob Chapek. Well, that never happened because he told the press before he asked Bob Chapek if he could help him with the transition and step back into the CEO role. Well, Bob Chapek had a huge problem with that. So he said, Nope, go sit in your corner and be quiet. Now, realistically, realistically, I know what you're probably wondering, why don't they just remove Bob Chapek? If, if he is really a big problem at Disney, because it's not just the trades that are reporting on this people inside Disney, inside the boardroom have said that there is like a civil war going on at Disney. I know that sounds very conspiratorial <laughs> conspiracy. This is conspiracy theory on Jesse Ventura. There is uh, Hey, if there's any mod mods in the chat, can you please boot this guy? Um, that is not appropriate at all. Um, mods, please, uh, take care of that. Uh, if you can, I appreciate it. Um, so look, uh, totally forgot what I was saying. Totally got thrown off by inappropriate comments in the chat. Um, oh, the Bob Chapek effect. Okay. So yeah, um, they could realistically kick him out, but that is extremely bad press for Disney. The stock is going to go down. Uh, it, it has, it's a very bad look. It shows that they don't know what they're doing. They don't have a plan and nothing is going on. Um, so, uh, another, uh, Hey, thank you, uh, Robin for, for kicking those people out. I appreciate it. Um, so, uh, the next bit here comes from also on, Screen rant. So this new report from the wrap, which we referenced at the top of the show, 
that places the blame for the entire fiasco on current Disney CEO Bob Chapek claims that his predecessor Iger is mortified. According to a Disney insider, Iger believes that Chapek and the company bungled it. Bungled it. Now, to be honest with you, I don't know the exact definition of bungled, so I'm going to look it up. Carried out clumsily or incompetently. Okay. So the chief of communications, Zena Mucha, said in an email, quote, none of this is true, period, end quote, and did not elaborate. However, it's also noted that Mucha was was the one to issue the company's blistering statement against Johansson. Okay, that's interesting. Zena Mucha. So apparently that's the woman who gave this statement, this terribly worded PR statement. So of course she's going to want to protect herself. Um, yeah, look, I, I totally think Bob Iger is probably upset. I mean, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? If you had built something for the past 15 years to its peak of excellence and the the largest most respected, glorified uh, studio in the entertainment world, and all while owning 75% of the entertainment industry. And then on your way out, it all starts to go downhill bit by bit. I would be upset too. So let me see here. It, it also says public opinion so far seems to be on Johansson's side. Even before Disney's questionable response, it was clear that the company had made a mistake in not negotiating a different deal with Johansson. Now other stars like Cruella's Emma Stone are considering lawsuits of their own, which would further put Disney in hot water. How this legal battle will shake out remains to be seen, but it sounds like even those within Disney are unhappy with how things are progressing. Even Kevin Feige is reportedly angry over the circumstances behind Black Widow's release, which further supports the idea that Chapek isn't the best at fostering relationships with his creatives. The behind-the-scenes proceedings will largely remain a mystery but this paints a small picture about what's going on again a very interesting article and i'm going to share that in the chat actually so if any of you want to check it out uh please do and uh if anyone else sees inappropriate messaging in the chat please please block it i don't want this video to get this podcast to get you know struck or taken down so thanks for doing that, uh, Robin. I appreciate it. Um, so there's the article in the chat if you guys would like to read it. And another thing that I wanted to mention about what we what we kind of just touched on was uh, Kevin Feige and how he's upset. And not just about the Scarlett Johansson issue, but also being upset that he no longer has as much creative say or decision-making as he used to. If you guys remember a couple months ago, we talked on the show about how Disney is making massive changes and it will affect Star Wars and Marvel, etc. And one of the ways they did that is by implementing a bunch of new middle management that wasn't in existence before. Middle management that is uh, helmed by not incompetent, but inexperienced people and the person who is now Kevin Feige's boss, for example, is an accountant. <laughs> and this accountant, I, I, his name is escaping me, is now the boss of Kevin Feige. And he, he can tell him what movies he can and cannot make. But before that, Kevin Feige was able to develop whatever project he felt he, he would like to do. He only had two people to speak to report to before. 
And that was Alan Horn and Robert Iger. And they were always on the same page. And Robert Iger himself said that 99% of the time, Kevin Feige was allowed to do whatever he wanted to do. So a lot of things are changing. A lot of things are changing. And, you know, this is just a small piece, this Johansson lawsuit to a bigger pie. Hey, Captain Rex in the live chat. Good to see you, my friend. Welcome. Welcome back to the show. Hope you're doing well. Um, and again, for any of you who are just tuning in, um, we're talking about the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit, some of the effects it'll have on in the industry, on Disney, and of course, eventually Star Wars, um, which I guess we'll touch on in a little bit here too. But discussing another article, uh, this one is titled, um, this one's on Screen Rant. Now, this one brings in the perspective of other producers outside of Disney working in Hollywood, more specifically, Jason Blum. Jason Blum is the owner of Blumhouse and one of the producers of all their projects. You know, they do movies like Halloween, The Invisible Man, and a ton, tons of other great borderline indie flicks. And they have like, they're doing the new Exorcist movie with, um, what is it called? Universal. So this article says, Jason Blum supports Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow lawsuit. So let's take a look at what it says here. So Johansson, blah, blah, blah. We've kind of already talked about this, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, blah, blah, blah. This is repetitive. Okay, so here's what he says about it. This is a quote, okay? I'm going to read it to you now. Uh, he stated, what the streamers are betting on is that in the next three to five years, there will only be three or four of them left pumping content into homes. And they'll be so powerful that they will be able to push the price down of producing, of paying talent, of paying producers, of paying writers and directors. I personally don't think they'll be able to do it, but that is what they are betting on. So this is a very interesting point of view. And this is something I actually have experience with in my place of work. And um, I'll tell you about that too. So he's absolutely right when he says that the studios are focusing on streaming as the future of uh, uh, movies. And I won't tell you where I work because one, I can't. <laughs> but two, I don't want to give them a bad name or anything. But uh, this company ha has completely abandoned, not abandoned, but have, has left 100% hope that the uh, theaters will be in the exclusive route going forward. And their attention is strictly on streaming. And they say that is the future too. And I agree, not in a good way. I think, it's, I think it's bad, honestly, that this is the direction things are going. But the best way to relate it to why this is a problem is relating it to the music industry. The music industry was actually way more profitable and more grossing than the uh, movie industry. Believe it or not, the music industry was more booming than the movies. Did I say that correct? Music was bigger than movies. Sorry. But it wasn't until, of course, the internet that music became no longer a commodity, but something that is just considered content. You know, there's, there's, there's a real big difference between making content and then making something a little bit more personal, like art, like a good song, a good album, a good movie, things like that. There is a difference between content and movies. 
And that has to do with streaming. And now, being a musician myself, I can tell you, there is absolutely no money to be made in music. I mean, you can where musicians make money is playing live shows. That's where they make their money. And of course, merchandise. But really, it used to rely on physical CD sales. The movie industry never had a promising physical media sale department, so that's not really relatable. But anyway, going back to movies. Um, oh, by the way, I see that uh, Captain Rex says, nah, bro, I love going to the movie theaters. Uh, I do too. I don't want to... Um, I don't. I, maybe I said the wrong thing. I, I, I wish movie theaters will stay around forever. And I hope, I really don't like the streaming model. And trust me, if I could watch all my movies um, in one place, it would be the movie theater, 100%. Um, so I, I just want to reiterate to make sure what I said didn't come across in a bad way. So the other thing about what Jason Blumma here is saying is, you know, when they put things on streaming, there is no profit participation. Again, that same word that is coming back up again and again because there is no return on investment. If, if uh, like Disney Plus, for example, they put Black Widow out on Disney Plus, yes, people are buying it for the $30 premium, but that is not measured in the same way as it is measured at a movie theater. And of course, there is no, quote, box office. So when Disney puts something out on Disney Plus, Black Widow, for example, they just put it out 35 days ago and on Disney Plus alone in the first weekend made $60 million. That $60 million was 100% all Disney's money. They didn't have to share a single penny of that. And But in the theaters the first opening week, it made $285 million. No, I'm sorry. Is that correct? $250 million, something around there in the first two weeks or something like that. And with that, they had to pay Scarlett Johansson her point-based fee, her, her back-end deal points, plus the $20 million. And the cap for Scarlett Johansson was going to be $50 million, grand total of $70 million paycheck for Black Widow. Now, the difference is, again, when you put it on streaming, there is no profit participation because it is measured by subscriber base not, and, and viewer count, not by a monetary level. So... Jason Blum is saying what the companies want to do is at, at some point strictly just release everything to streaming because they get 100% of the profit, whether it's new subscribers, whether it's viewership, whether it's clout, whether it's ad-based revenue, they get 100% of that. They don't have to share it because there's no model for that right now. There's no template. So what's going to happen is talent is going to stop doing royalty payments, back-end point systems. They're going to start being paid base salaries, just like they used to in the original Hollywood days. It wasn't until about 30, 40 years ago that they started implementing this point-based system, this royalty deal. That's why Hollywood was able to build itself up to this grand, large thing and this huge monster of an industry because they kept 100% of the profits. And it wasn't until, you know, actors started becoming popular, stars started getting created that they started implementing back-end point deals. And it looks like we're kind of backtracking in the industry because now the talent, the actors, producers, directors, they're just going to get a salary now. They're going to be paid for their work and that's it. Which you know, 
I can see people being on either side of that. I really don't have a, an opinion on that myself. You know, if I, if I made something for another studio, uh, for example, if I was asked to direct a movie for Disney, right. And they said, we're going to pay you a billion dollars, right? That's how good I am. They're going to pay me a billion dollars to make a movie. We're going to pay you a billion dollars to make star Wars episode 25, <laughs> star Wars episode 25, the last, 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 last Jedi, <laughs> the very, very last Jedi. And, um, but you're not going to receive any back end point deals. I would, I would be fine with that, you know, because I'm making it for another studio. But if I wanted to make my own movie, my own original idea, and they told me I couldn't receive any royalties off that, then I'd have a problem. So it kind of, it's a situation based thing for me. I, I don't really see a, a perspective on it at this very moment, but I understand. Um, the last article I'm going to read from comes again from Variety. And you know what? I'm going to put this link to the last one in the chat too, because there's a lot I didn't read from it. So if you guys are interested, just give it a read there. It's it's linked in the chat. Um, let me check out uh, the chat real quick and see what's uh, what's going on here. Um, uh, that's stupid. It's going to run for free in a couple months on Disney Plus. That's that's the other thing too. This Disney Plus release model is is uh, it's terrible. You know, you can only buy the movie if you're a subscriber. But you have to pay an additional $30 on top of your subscription. But if you wait like 30, 40 days, it's just going to be free anyway. No, way less than that. If you wait like three weeks, it's going to be on Disney Plus for free. But what happens when you, you buy it with your subscription and then you decide you don't want to be subscribed to Disney Plus anymore, you lose the movie on top of that. But you can go to Amazon at the same exact time that Black Widow is available purchase it for way less and get to keep it forever. You know, it's, it's weird. It's, it's a terrible model. You know, they're really, they're really trying to figure it out and they're kind of botching it at the moment. So yeah, I agree, bro. The last Jedi movie is going to get a whole trilogy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's going to be the last Jedi, the last Jedi or the last Jedi is the first one. The second, the sequel will be the very last Jedi. And then the third one will be called star Wars. Okay, we're serious. This is the last Jedi. <laughs> hey, if you guys want, I will make that trilogy. Okay, I will gladly make that trilogy. It's going to be called Episode Twenty Five, though. Star Wars Episode Twenty Five: The Very Last Jedi. <laughs> anyway, the last article here is on Variety, and this kind of talks about what would have happened if we had different leadership at Disney in this certain situation, more specifically talking about Bob Iger and his second in command, Alan Horn. If you don't know who Alan Horn is, he was the head of studio at Disney for the past 15 years or maybe less somewhere around there. Before that, he was the head of studio at Warner brothers and he's done other great work too, produced lots of content. He's, he's the reason why we have the new star Wars in theaters. He's one of the reasons why we have, the MCU and he's, he's a big player in the industry. And um, so here's from this article. Um, we're calling on Alan Horn as the nasty war between Scarlett Johansson and Disney continues to escalate and range on in the public eye. 
Might it not be beneficial for someone within the not-so-magical kingdom, such as Alan Horn, to intervene and help defuse the hostilities? So Horn was the second or the seasoned executive who was hired at Disney by Bob Iger in 2012. Okay, so not 15 years ago. My bad. And he helped steady the ship after it was rocked by the tumultuous regime of Rich Ross and the strong and the string of costly box office. Okay, so he says here, Alan Horn says, and I quote, I fully expect to be a stabilizing force. All I want to do is keep the waters calm as they can be. Alan Horn is also notoriously known for being a good communicator with his talent and his producer relations, basically talent relations overall. Him and Bob Iger were the masters at that. The masters. And um, they're both gone. They're both out of that position now. <laughs> so it, it kind of, it's, it's not breaking trust with the already established relationships, but it's about gaining new trust. It's like, okay, we're already all on good terms, but with these new people, what are you going to do for me? I know what I'm going to do for you. You know, like when Scarlett Johansson is making this movie, Black Widow, she signed on as a producer. She signed on. She was like, here's my, you're going to pay me this much money. Okay. But I'm making you this movie. I'm producing this movie. I found the director for you, but what are you going to do for me? And what they were going to do for her was they were going to pay her $70 million grand total. 50 million at the box office and 20 million salary. And what happened was they went against that contract. Again, that's that's a crap load of money. I can make my the last very last Jedi trilogy with her salary. That's insane. It would probably be the worst Star Wars movie ever, but whatever. Um uh blah blah blah. Let me click on down here a little bit. So basically uh, it goes on and says Disney was upset and obviously embarrassed when Johansson filed the suit last week, claiming that the company had cheated her out of potentially tens of millions of dollars in back-end compensation by simultaneously releasing Black Widow, Widow, Widow on Disney Plus and in theaters. And I'm not arguing that the merits of the suit here, but for the industry's most powerful media company to issue such a mean-spirited statement publicly, slamming and shaming a major star with whom it had shared multiple success Full multi-year business relationships over nine films was beyond the pale of corporate decorum. Couldn't Disney's PR machine have written a more measured objection to the litigation rather than call her breach of contract suit especially sad and distressing and its callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic? I forgot to mention that. So that's another thing that Disney put out in their statement. They said that why would she do this when we're all affected by COVID-19? Okay, first of all, Disney, yes, you're affect, everybody's affected by COVID-19. But you guys are the same exact company that decided to open your parks during a pandemic last year. Yeah, you restricted it to resident, like California residents only, and also limited capacity. But that was very irresponsible. So the, the most competent thing you could have done would be to keep the park closed until it was extremely a lot more safer to do so. So, I mean, that's that's kind of an invalid statement to me. They kind of cancel themselves out. So, anyway, Johansson's agent, uh, power broker Brian Lord, was not about to stand by and let Disney get away with implying that her client was somehow disregarding the huge impact of the pandemic in the entertainment business. 
And he, I have a quote here from him, and it says, they have shamelessly and falsely accused Ms. Johansson of being insensitive to the global COVID pandemic in an attempt to make her appear to be something they and I know she is not. So everybody's unhappy. Everybody is, is going crazy here, all parties. Just so you know, I put that link to that article in the chat too. There's more you can read if you want to. We're not going to go through the whole thing, but it's there if you guys want to see it. Um, uh, I just see Rex asks if I have a Discord. So uh, I don't actually. I, I'm I'm working on it though. Um, uh, it will uh, it will come out soon. I, I'm actually in the process of working on it and getting a server ready. Um, uh, Discord's really new to me, so. It'll come. I'll let you guys know. But thanks for asking. Uh, we'll be doing a lot more stuff on there too in the future. Um, but yeah, all parties about this are happy. And you know, one last thing I'll point out about maybe why she went forward with this lawsuit is being upset that being a seasoned, reoccurring character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the first female superhero—not a superhero, but Avenger in the MCU being the second to get her own movie. Of course, Captain Marvel being the first. So maybe there was a little pettiness there being like that grossed a billion dollars. They could argue that potentially Black Widow could have made a billion dollars too. I don't think so, but there's an argument there to be made. And so maybe there was a little bit of pettiness there. I know, um, Sith Care Bear in the chat was saying that that's that's probably an option. So, or she was a little being a little petty about it. So, yeah, basically, it's a mess. It's a mess. We've been talking about this for about an hour. Um, unfortunately, that's all the time I have today to talk about this. But I'm really glad we got the chance to to chat about it. I hope you enjoyed the stream. Basically, it was just a chance for me to get to, uh, I guess, you know exploit my own interest in this you know if you guys found it interesting as well i that makes me happy i hope you did um thank you max for your support um captain rex says yo harry potter character came to the stream harry potter character came to the screen oh yeah uh they were also booted from the stream so (laughs) we're not going to talk about them um but yeah we will be back very soon with some star wars topics of course being a star wars show and um, I'm also going to have a guest probably next week. Someone I've been talking to for about two weeks now. Someone who I think is going to bring a very unique perspective on Star Wars to my show. And I cannot wait for you to meet him. Uh, we're going to have a great conversation. I'm going to try and set it up so that we can do it this upcoming week. Uh, or next week, I'm sorry. Uh, Sunday. And uh, we'll just have a good time. So yeah, and in the meantime, though, before we get out of the stream, uh, from anyone who's watching live, I would like to hear from you. What are what is one big Star Wars question that you want to know from me? It could be anything. It could be what do I think about the Rise of Skywalker? It could be what's my uh, what kind what color lightsaber would I had? If you had to ask me one question about Star Wars and give you a very elaborate answer on it, what would that be? And we will discuss it. I will answer those questions as a main topic on the show next week. So throw that in the chat and I will gladly answer them. And also on social media too. If you guys want to 
let me know there as well. Always active on social media at Han Talks First. So thank you guys so much for watching. We'll be back very soon. I hope you have a great rest of your week. I hope you learned something today. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but I hope you had fun. And now, my friends, somehow, some way, somewhere this week, may the force be with you. So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first.